have a seat. Welcome to Grace Community Church. My name is Scott Avey. I'm the worship pastor here, and you are. I am Erin O'Hara. I'm the children's director here, and it's great to see you and sing with you this morning and worship. 
Awesome. Well, we've got some, uh, I want to draw your attention to the cross over here. There's a balloon on that. Uh, we put a balloon on there because we're celebrating that someone passed over from death into life. They've accepted Christ as their fa- Savior. So, uh, God, we give you glory for that. Amen. Amen. It was, it was a delight for me. I got to lead a young man on Wednesday night to Christ. And, uh, you know, church, we need to just have our eyes open. It was one of those appointments where I didn't see it coming, but God opened the door. And we just need to be faithful to walk through it. Absolutely. And, you know, it doesn't always end up with a balloon. Sometimes it's just cultivating the soil That's and right. forging yeah. a relationship and a friendship. Uh, evangelism is more than just reaping. It is cultivating the soil. So we want to be a church that is on mission everywhere we go. That means it's not just people who are paid to do this. It means it's you guys as Absolutely. well. That's, a, that's, that's a part what of living the Christian life is all about. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we give God glory for that. Mr. Kevin, come on down in here. Kevin's been um, a joy and a, and a delight to lead in worship. Um, he's been doing an excellent, excellent job. And this is Kevin's last Sunday with us because he's joining the Army. So I want to bring Pastor Eric up. He, he leads excellently. And, um, you know, it's, these guys put in a ton of work every single week that we don't, that it's not always seen. Uh, and Kevin is a person that's been faithfully serving. More than that, he's been a, a, um, a real critical and valued team member for the church in large. Pastor Eric has had the opportunity to pastor Kevin all through youth. And now we want you to know, Kevin, that we're sending you out, not as a military member, but as a missionary in the field that you're going to be in. So we want to pray a prayer of blessing over you. And here's what I'd like to do, church. I'd like you guys to outstretch your hand towards Kevin, and we're going to pray God's protection, God's blessing over him. Pastor Eric, would you lead us in that time? God, we thank you so much for Kevin, for his life, for his ministry that he has been a part of here, not only in the youth group, but in this church. And uh, God, the ways that you've used him, the ways that you want to use him, the ways that you will use him, Lord, we lift him up, we put him in your hands, we place him in the center of your will, and Lord, we are so excited to see the things that you're going to do in and through him. God, we are sending him out to be not just a mighty warrior physically, but Lord, to be a mighty warrior for you and your kingdom, Lord, spiritually, that he would lead people to you. God, I pray protection upon his life. I pray protection over him, uh, his emotions, his his well-being, his uh, mental thoughts, Lord, that the times where he's frustrated and discouraged and feels hopeless, Lord, would you remind him that you are near, that you are with him, God, that you have a plan, that you love him. And, uh, Lord, that you would use him mightily for your kingdom. God, we thank you for the times where uh, he will be able to point people to you because he is pursuing you. So, Lord, we pray all these things in your holy and precious name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Kevin. Love you, too. So, Scott, I I hear we're going to get the baptism pool ready. Yeah, we're going to get the baptism out next Sunday. You guys don't want to miss this. We've got about six, I think, people getting dunked. Um, We still have an opportunity for the 930 service. If uh, that's something you're interested in, you need to contact the church, and there's some information, there's some contact information. Contact the church within like the next 24 to 40 hours so that we can get you plugged in to know the stuff you need to know, and we have a little orientation process. So um, if, that's, if you've never stepped forward into obedience through baptism, we'd invite you to do that. It's going to be an awesome, awesome celebration time. Uh, come out, hoop and holler. And, uh, and celebrate with people that are, that are stepping forward in obedience. Well, it's, it's awesome. great that we do it here now. It's yeah, just yeah. amazing For to real. incorporate the whole body. Absolutely. Well, we want to invite Aline Tinder. Tinder. Aline Tinder. Awesome. We have exciting things happening in children's ministries, and we want to highlight one of our ministries that the Lord has just um, really um, 
confirmed for us and revamped. We've, we've started some new things. So Aline, would you tell us what is Kaleidoscope Kids? Gladly. It's one of the great passions and joys of my heart. Um, we have a ministry to people with special needs and their families called Kaleidoscope Kids. And we exist just to share the love of Jesus with people with all different abilities. Great. What, what's your passion with what, what has led you to serve in this area of ministry? I take a lot of inspiration from a passage in Mark 2. Um, you got to watch out. You give a pastor's kid a mic and she'll start preaching. But um, <laughs> there's four friends, and they have a friend who is paralyzed, and they want to get him to Jesus. And so they put him on a pallet with some ropes, and they get to the house where Jesus is, and it's too crowded. They can't get in. So they give up and go home. No, that's not how the story goes. Uh, they climb up on the roof, make a hole in the roof, and lower their friend on ropes to where Jesus is. And um, I see an unreached people group. Um, it's not just in Papua New Guinea, unreached people group, but unreached people group here in Frederick with Rock Creek School. Um, it is so hard. Those of you who are parents, you know how hard it is with kids to get out the door on a Sunday morning. Um, imagine in your mind to multiply that many times more if you have a child that maybe is going to make an unusual noise in church or maybe drools or uses a wheelchair. How am I going to be received here? Am I going to be welcomed? Am I going to be given a look or kind of pushed to the back or asked to go home? Um, so this is a group of people that we need to open the roof and um, share the love of Jesus with. That's right. I, I worked when I was in college uh, at a group home for uh, adults with special needs. And so on the weekend, I would take them to church. And my heart was pricked because I, ch church, I'm telling you, I took these friends. They were just my friends. I took them into church and I saw them mistreated in church mm. and stares in the hallway. And um, I want to be a part of being a church that says that God loves them. And so do we. Right? Amen. Absolutely. So if you know of someone in that people group, say, our church loves you, and we want you to know you have a place here. Invite a man so that they can be shown to the king. And uh, that's, that's part of our heart here, for sure. If someone wanted to get involved, that's the ministry. If someone wanted to get involved, what do they do? Do you have openings? We do have openings, and we would love, love, love to expand our team of volunteers. Um, it never says in this passage in Mark that these guys were special ed teachers or physical therapists. They were friends that wanted to love on someone yeah. and love them into the kingdom of heaven. So that's the big, what's the word? Qualification. Yeah, yeah, qualification, prerequisite that you're looking for is someone just with maybe a compassion gift or a mm -hmm. mercy gift. Um, I would love to talk with you more about that. Flag me down. My email's in the bulletin. Mm -hmm. um, we have a meeting com coming up the first Sunday in May, uh, Cinco de Mayo, in rooms 112 and 113 after the 11 o'clock service. Maybe you just want to try it out for a week, and we want to give you the freedom to say, you know, this might not be a good fit for me. It's okay. You're not signing your life away. Maybe you just want to come and hang out and see what we're all about. We'd love to have you. Well, what we'd like to do is we'd also like to commission this ministry to know that uh, we're not just filling a program. We are praying a blessing over you, and we want the Holy Spirit to sustain you and be a part of your ministry like we want it everywhere here. So, um, Aaron, would you mind praying a prayer over that ministry, over Aline, and uh, kind of launching them into ministry? 
Lord, we love you, and we want to love like you. We want to share Jesus, Lord, with every person that comes in our door. And um, I'm thankful for Aline. I'm thankful for her passion and the picture of bringing um, people to the feet, the knees of Jesus. Lord, would you um, just cultivate a, um, an atmosphere here of compassion, of love? Lord, would you, um, those that you are touching their hearts right now, would you have them come seek out Aline and and build this ministry for your glory, Lord. We have already seen just in the last week your confirmation of several different things, and I am just praising you for that. Mm-hmm. So I just ask your blessing on Aline and her team. I'm asking a blessing on the, the children that we serve, that we love. Lord, would you pour out your blessing on them and their families, Lord? And we just love you this morning. We give you glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. Let's stand together. Isn't it cool to be a part of a church like that? It loves people. Amen. Let's stand together. We want to bless God's name. We want our, our worship, our hearts to be honoring in His sight. So we sing, Blessed be your name, God. Blessed be your name. In the land that is plentiful, where streams of abundance flow, blessed be your name. Blessed be your name when I'm found in the desert place, though I walk through the wilderness, blessed be your name. God, we say every blessing we pour back to you. Every blessing we pour out, I'll turn back to praise. When the darkness closes in, Lord, still I will say, Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your glory. Blessed be your name when the sun shines. Blessed be your name when the sun's shining down on me. When the world's all as it should be. Blessed be your name. God, let me be our prayer this morning. Blessed be your name on the road marked with suffering. Though there's pain in the offering, blessed be your name. Every blessing you pour out, we turn back to praise. Every blessing you pour out, I'll turn back to praise. When the darkness closes in, Lord, still I will say, Blessed be the name. Blessed be the name. 
you take away, still we will bless you. You give and take away. You give and take away. Still my heart will choose to say, Lord, bless it be. Darkness you shine 
say that your name is greater, that 
Even when the nations conspire and they plot, God, nothing is bigger and greater than you. It's not gone from your eyes or from your care. God, you are sovereign. And when we are drawn to fear, God, may we cast our eyes upon you. God, when we are drawn to anxiety, may we cast our gaze upon your sovereignty, your power, your authority. God, you are the God above all the nations, the God above all of our problems. God, I'm reminded that the book has already been written. It's already been declared, God, you win. We're not fighting for victory. God, we're fighting from victory. God, we worship you. We praise you, God. We pray all of this in your name. Amen. Amen. You guys can have a seat. We'll dismiss the kids at this time. Call the ushers forward. We're going to continue in worship through giving. Let me pray over our, our offering time here and ask God to multiply what's given for the glory of his name. God, we come to you. We want to give out of a, of a cheerful heart. God, may you receive what's given and multiply it for the glory of your kingdom. Holy Spirit, we invite you into this place, into this time. We need you to come because, honestly, my heart is full of distractions. God, would you drive those all away? Father, may we fix our eyes on you. May we fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning at shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. We give you praise. We give you glory. May Jesus Christ be lifted high in this place. pray this in the name of, of Jesus. We pray it in his, according to his power, according to his character and authority. Amen. Caleb. Joshua. I decided to open up my own agency. I'm a lawyer. I'm a colorist in the fashion industry. I work at a law firm. I'm a professional boy wrangler. I work in commercial real estate. I'm a seasoned human resources professional. Emails and client calls. And I lost the house that I cherish. A typical day is waking up next to my wife. Couldn't get her out of my head. <laughs> I'm the tallest person in my family. I like to make comic books. I got a tattoo of a tree. I love, I love that. Yeah, so that's all I think about. Who do you think? Who do you think you are? Who do you think you are? That's a good question to ask ourselves, but uh, we want to keep that this morning in the right context. Sometimes that question can be... uh, 
said with a negative connotation or attitude, right? Who do you think you are, right? Who do you think you are? This morning we're starting a new series called I Am, and uh, we've been living in the box, right? We've been trying to get out of the box. We've been watching every Sunday a, a video about a turtle going back to the box, right? And how do we find freedom from our box? And we're moving on now to how do we find our identity in Him, in Christ? And this morning I would submit to us uh, this thought, I am because He is. That's what we're going to be thinking about this morning. That's what we're going to be talking about. I am because He is. All right, so we're going to wrestle with that. Um, Pastor R has had surgery this past week. Uh, the surgery went well. He had uh, in his lower back, uh, I think it was L4, L5, some surgery to uh, replace some discomfort. The surgery went well. He is at home. He will be out for the next six to eight weeks as he is not able to lift, bend, twist, turn, be hugged, all of those things. Um, but the surgery went well. He's recuperating. He's out walking. Um, if you want to send him some love and encouragement, you can find him him on Facebook or even message him through the church page as well. Um, but this week, we're, I'm up, and uh, I'm two weeks away from getting married. And uh, yes, yeah, you can cheer for that. that thank you. <laughs> I know, that's a miracle. Um, <laughs> so in two weeks uh, from this week, the, all the details are in the bulletin, but I want to be sure to let you guys know you're all invited to come and uh, I would be honored, and Bethany would be honored as well if you guys were able to be there uh, to celebrate with us uh, the joy of marriage. So um, let's open in a word of prayer, and we'll dive in here to uh, God's word. Heavenly Father, you are so good to us. Uh, Father, I can think uh, of times in my life where I, it didn't always feel that way. Uh, God, but you were still near. You were still uh, present. You didn't leave me. You didn't forsake me. Uh, and God, we thank you for your word that you reveal to us your true identity and who you are and who we are in you. God, we are because you are. And uh, Lord, I pray that this morning we would be able to set the distractions aside, that we would be able to hear so clearly from you and your word uh, the truth about who we are and the truth about who you are and what our identity is. So speak to us, Lord, in this time. Make your presence known and felt in this place, uh, Lord, that we would leave this morning changed, radically changed, because of our time, our encounter in your presence. We pray all of it in your holy and precious name. Amen. So over the next nine weeks, uh, we will be looking at this I am. I am today. We're talking about I am in Christ. Next week, we will be talking about I am chosen. The following week, we'll be talking about I am adopted. The following Sunday, I am forgiven. The following week, I am sealed. The next week, I am rich. The next week, I am seated. The following week, I am his workmanship. Who we are in Christ. We'll be looking through the book of Ephesians and talking about who we are in him. So again, this morning, I submit to you this idea. I am because he is. And again, I ask us the question, who do you think you are? I say that nicely, but I want you to wrestle with that. Who do you think you are? Here's what I think we do. We do one of two things. Um, we either puff ourselves up, we pride ourselves on who we think we are, the things that we're in, or we put ourselves down. Okay, now, so for my entire life, uh, I only ever wanted to be two things. Uh, 
all through high school, I was convinced that I was going to be a professional baseball player. And I was so certain that I was going to be a professional baseball player that I would play for the Chicago Cubs and I would be their starting third baseman. Now, not because I'm that good, but honestly because the Cubs are that bad, okay? Um, You can laugh. I've used that joke many times. It's true. It doesn't seem to change, unfortunately, but it's true. The Cubs are terrible. I always thought, literally until 10th grade, I thought I would be a professional baseball player. And God changed my view. He shifted my perspective because he spoke his truth to me about who he was and what his plans were for me and my life. And I think that God's going to do the same for us this morning. And in 10th grade, then I shifted from thinking I was going to be a professional baseball player to be a youth pastor. And I knew that I wanted to go into full-time ministry. God made that clear to me. In the times where I I wrestled with that, there are still times where I wrestle with that. And I want to be perfectly honest with us this morning. There are many days where I feel like I'm a failure. I put myself down. There are some days where I'm more prideful than I ought to be. And I puff myself up. And the thing that I love is that I have some people in my life who will speak the truth to me about how God sees me. See, recently I I came into the office one day and I was frustrated about some circumstances with uh, the youth group. Maybe parents, you can relate to this when uh, your kids don't act the way you want them to act. Uh, But Brenda Rhoda, who is uh, one of our administrative assistants here, she she spoke God's truth to me. She looked at me in the eye. She said, Eric, and I'm like doing this. I'm kind of like looking away. She said, Eric, now look at me. Look me in the eye. You're a good youth pastor. Say it. And she made me repeat it. I was like wanting to dig a hole in the office. She was like, say it, seriously, you're a good youth pastor. And I made the mistake of telling Bethany, my fiance, that because now she does it to me every time I feel discouraged. And sometimes she'll like grab my cheeks and she'll say, Eric, repeat after me. You're a good youth pastor. And it's in those times where I need to be reminded of how God sees me and what he's called me to do. So who do you think you are. What you are in defines you. Maybe you're in a band and that has defined you. Maybe you're in college and that defines you. We use these things to excuse ourselves of who we really are or how we know we're supposed to act according to God's word. Didn't we do that when we were in college? Well, I'm in college. I'm, I'm allowed to be rebellious, right? That's what you do when you're in college. Maybe you're in trouble, And that's all you know. I'm in trouble. I'm in so much trouble. What am I going to do? Maybe uh, you're in love, right? And that is how you identify yourself. So many times now, people have come up to me because they know I'm I'm getting married, and they're like, oh, you're so in love, right? Yeah, I just look at you and Bethany, and I'm like, oh, you guys are so cute. And it's, (laughs) it's hilarious because now it seems like that's all people want to talk about with me is that I'm in love. And it's true, but there are other things that are going on in my life. So um, we identify with ourselves with where we're at, right? I'm being honest. Okay, so the first time I got a new car, right? Uh, I got a, a 1998 Jeep Grand Cherokee limited edition, like black leather interior, had all these. I like loved describing it to everybody. And I thought when I was in my car, I was big stuff, right? When, when you're in your new car, some of you can remember the first new car that you bought or the first you know, car that you really fell in love with. When you're driving in that car, you're kind of a different person, aren't you? 
right? You roll the window down, you got like the one hand on the steering wheel, and you're looking at everybody to make eye contact with them because you want them to see how cool you are in your new car. That has become your identity. Maybe you're in a new house, you've just moved into a new neighborhood, and you're excited about that new house. You invite everybody over, you have an open house to let people come tour the the new bathroom that has a bigger tub and whatever. Maybe you have new clothes and your identity changes when you put those new clothes on, right? There's something magical about the first day of school. When you have your new clothes on, you have this confidence, right? We do this. Our identity shifts based on what we're in. And I want to challenge us this morning that maybe that's not the most biblical approach. Maybe you're in vacation mode and that has become your identity, and it's been hard to get out of that pattern now of, of laziness. Maybe you are continually in work mode, and you just work, 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 and that's your identity. That's what you do. You work hard. We puff ourselves up. We pride ourselves on who we are, what we're in, our possessions. And for many of us, we're very good at doing that. But for some of us, we put ourselves down. We think, I'm not, I'm not that. I'm not, I'm not good enough. And we identify ourselves with the names that we've been called, with what we can't do. We identify with the fact that I'm too busy, I'm too poor, I'm not smart enough, I'm not good enough, I'm unlovable, I'm unacceptable, I'm unforgiven, I'm unworthy. I'm a failure, I'm an idiot, I'm used, I'm broken, I'm washed up. For some of us, it may depend on the day where we're at, whether we're puffing ourselves up or we're putting ourselves down. And we look at our lives based on this view, don't we? We look at ourselves and we puff ourselves up, or we look at our lives and we put ourselves down. And that's who we think we are. Who do you think you are? You see, God wants us to see ourselves as he sees us. He wants us to have a perspective shift where we stop looking at ourselves this way or we stop looking at ourselves this way, but we look at ourselves how he sees us through his lens, through his focus, through his perspective, through his word. His word speaks the truth to us about who God is. If you have a Bible today, turn with me to Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3 is a story of a man named Moses, and Moses was a lot of things. From a human perspective, there was a time in life where Moses puffed himself up. He got involved in circumstances that he probably shouldn't have got involved with. He got involved in trying to fix other people's problems, so much so that he killed a man. He buried him. He tried to hide it because he was playing fix-it. And then what happened is he put himself down and he ran away from his problems. And he went out into the wilderness, into the desert to try to hide from what he had done. And so he has this encounter with God. We're going to start in verse 10 of chapter 3 in the book of Exodus. And God gives Moses a calling. He gives him what God's perspective is for him. He says, Moses, go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. 
And look at Moses' response. He says, um, God, who am I that... Have you ever done that? God gives you the challenge. You know that this act of obedience, this thing of, of service is exactly what God wants you to do. And you say, no, God, I'm too good for that. I can't serve. I can't humble myself in that way. I'm too good. Or maybe you put yourself down and you say, no, God, I'm not, I'm not worthy to be used by you in that way. I can't, I can't talk to that person. I'm not good enough. We do one of two things, don't we? Moses says, God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? I think Moses at this time is thinking in the forefront of his mind, God, who am I? I'm a murderer. Who am I, God? I've killed someone. I've sinned. Who am I that I could go and stand before Pharaoh and request to bring your people, God's people, out of their captivity and out of their slavery? And look what God says to him. I love this. God cuts right through all of his identity issues. And he says, I will be with you. That's the first thing that God says to him. I will be with you. I will be with you. And this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people up out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. And then Moses, again, still doesn't really believe him. We're good at that too, aren't we? And he says, suppose I go to the Israelites. Okay, God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? See, Moses is assuming, he's making an assumption here that when he stands before Pharaoh, and when he stands before all of these people, that they're not going to believe him. He's making an assumption. And it's causing him to make another decision based on that that's paralyzing him, that's holding him in fear. And God said to Moses, verse 14, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. So who is the I am? According to Scripture, the I am is, is the great Yahweh. I am is, is transliterated into Yahweh. And in fact, it is the most holy and revered name of God, so much so that later Jewish leaders refused to even open their mouths and say the name I am, Yahweh. It was so holy. It was so set apart. So who is God? Who is this I am? See, I think before we realize who we are, we need to realize who he is. Because if our identity is found in him, then we need to know who he is. Now, to be clear, we have a lot of lowercase g gods in our culture, right? And scripture, God's word tells us that there is one God. And so this morning, we're going to look at 15 different things. And uh, we'll put these up on the screen here. 15 different things of who God is, who he is according to scripture. So God is one. The Lord our God is one. And this means that he alone is God. And beside him, there is no other. He is the only true and living God. Now, I emphasize he is the only living God. We're going to get there. He alone is worthy to be worshipped and praised. 
There is no one like him. He is the only one. And although he is one, the scripture teaches that he is God in three persons. The theological term for that is Trinity. He's God in three. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. He existed eternally and equally in all three persons. We're getting a a theological foundation here. It's kind of like going to Bible college, all right? He is the creator and sustainer of the world. God is one, and he is one in three. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. He is self-existent, and that means that he doesn't depend on anything or anyone. He doesn't need you or I. He is self-sufficient. He is self-existent. He doesn't need any help. He's God all by himself. He is transcendent. He's distinct, and he's different from us. Everything is not God, and God is not everything. God is not the universe, and the universe is not God. Recently, I was at a restaurant, and uh, I was with a friend of mine, and we we asked the waitress, hey, can we pray for you uh, before we eat? We're going to eat our food. She just brought it out. We said, can we pray for you about anything? She said, "Um, yeah, I think that the universe is crying out to me. And we had the awesome opportunity, like what Pastor Scott said earlier, we had our eyes open, we had the opportunity to say, The universe is crying out to you, but he has a name and he is God. And he desires to be in a relationship with you. We got to share our faith with her. God is not the universe and the universe is not God. He is transcendent. He's distinct. He's different from us. And yet he's imminent. That means that he's close. He doesn't stand outside of his creation, but he stands inside of it. He is present. He has made himself known. He told Moses, I am with you. I will be with you. I have always been with you. He is imminent. He is immutable. That means he never changes. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He cannot be changed. He cannot be altered. He is God. He is eternal. He is unbound and unrestricted by time. He is infinite. He's limitless, untouched, unhindered, and unobstructed by boundaries. He's omnipresent. He's these three words, omni. We've heard them probably before. He's omnipresent, he's omnipotent, and he's omniscient. His presence is always with us. He's not limited by space. He's omnipresent. The world he created cannot hold him. It cannot contain him. He fills all things in every way at all times. It doesn't matter where you go, where God sends you. He is there. He is with you. And not only is he with you and is he everywhere and filling all things at all times, but he's all-powerful. He's omnipotent. You wouldn't say this about anyone else but God because it means that he has all the power. Nothing is too hard for him. Nothing is too difficult for him. He cannot deny himself and he can do all things but fail. And he's omniscient, means he's all-knowing, that he knows everything before it happens. He's incomprehensible because he may be known, no mortal man can fully know him, and even our best attempts to describe him will come woefully short of his glorious grace and his infinite love for us. 
He is perfect. That means he's holy. Scripture says that he's not just holy. He's holy, holy, holy. He's three times holy. He's righteous. He's blameless. He's good. He does good. He is true in all of his judgments, and he is incapable of evil. Now, if I was a southern gospel preacher, I'd be all sweaty, and I'd take my jacket off, and we would have all been, like, fired up, and there would have been a lot of amens there. Thank you. We're kind of in the south, right? But I want to speak the truth about who God is to us. And here's the reality, guys. These are just 15 things about God. We're barely even scratching the surface. Because I haven't put up that he's good, that he's loving, that he's kind, that he's righteous, that he's our redeemer, that he's all of these other things. This is just the foundation. You know what else is so cool about our God? Is that he is both infinite and personal, and he is both of them at the same time. He is infinite. He is all-powerful. He's all of these things, and yet he's personal. He desires to have a relationship with us. Now, I'm talking about God. And some of you may not have a problem with this God that I'm talking about, but we're going to go back to the fact that God is the Son And the scriptures tells us that God didn't just give us a book to tell us about himself. God says that the word became flesh and dwelled among us. Jesus himself came down. God became a man. And when I say that he is, I'm talking about the God who was sent to earth in the form of a baby, who was born of a virgin, who lived a sinless life, who walked the earth, and he did miracles. He never did the things wrong that you and I do. He was perfect. But they hung him on a cross anyways. They crucified him. They buried him. And on the third day, he conquered death. And he rose again. And the best part is, is that he's coming back. And he's coming back for us. His bride. His church. His pure and spotless lamb. That's us. He's coming back for us. He is the King of kings. He is the Lord of lords. He is our Savior. And at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess. What? That Jesus is Lord. Now when we compare this list with ourselves, who do you think you are? See, I'm very good at focusing on my prideful things and all my possessions. And then there's times where I'm very good at focusing on all these negative things and I put myself down. But God says, look, compare yourself to me. We can't compare, can we? Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm glad you're not God. (laughs) I'm glad, honestly, I'm glad I'm not God. You're not strong enough. You're not powerful enough. You're not smart enough. And even if you were all of those things, you wouldn't be good. You wouldn't be good with your power. I wouldn't be. I'm glad that we're not God. See, God tells us that in Christ, in Him, we are chosen, we are adopted, we are redeemed, we are forgiven, we are sealed, we are rich, We are alive. We are seated with him at the right hand of the throne of God. 
We are his workmanship. We are the apple of his eye. We are above all creation. He is enthralled with us. He desires to use us. Sometimes I don't know why. But that's because I'm looking at the things that I own and I'm looking at the things that I'm not. And God sees me for who I am in him. And I praise him for that. I thank him for that. It's not easy to believe what God says about me, is it? It's not easy. God doesn't just want us to make a correct confession of who he is. He wants me to walk in a confident assurance of who I am in him. And I want to show this to us. I I want us to realize that. Turn with me, if you will, to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. There's this beautiful passage that Paul writes that, that he wrestles with and he helps us think through who we are in him. And I want to say this again because I want us to, to capture this. God doesn't just want us to make a correct assumption about who he is. We can look at all these things and we can say, yes, God, you're all of those things. But his ultimate desire is for us to realize who we are in him. He wants us to have a confident assurance of who I am in him. I am because he is. I am redeemed because he is righteous. What is it? I am because he is. Let's look at this. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We're going to start in verse 16. Paul says, So from now on we regard no one from a worldly point of view. We're going to shift our perspective, right? From now on, I'm not going to look at anybody better or, or lower than we ought to. I'm going to look at them through the lens of God, and that includes ourselves. I'm going to look at myself from God's perspective. I'm going to see him, see myself as he sees us. Verse 17, he says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, there's that phrase, in Christ. If anyone is in him, we have a relationship with him. We've accepted the gift that he has given us on the cross where he died and conquered death. We're in him. We have a relationship with him. It says, he is a new creation. We're new. Brand new. The old is gone. My pride, my puffing myself up, all of the things that I own, they're gone. All of the things that I put myself down, I I call myself all these names, they're gone. The old is gone. The new, the new, who God is, who he is, that's what he gives to us. He's clothed us in his righteousness. He's clothed us in his love. He's given us a new set of clothes We can be confident in our new clothes. We're new. We're bought with a price. The old is gone. The new has come. All this is from God. It's not from yourselves. It's from Him. It's a gift that He's given to us that we would be reconciled. And He says He has committed to us the message of reconciliation. So look at verse 20. Therefore we are Christ ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. The word ambassador is such a cool word. If I were to go to a foreign country and stand before their president, somehow I should even make it 
pass on the security and stand before the president of another country and say, hey, my name's Eric Miller. I'm from America. I have a message for you from the president of the United States. They would laugh at me. They would kick me out. They would drag me by, you know, get out of here. Who are you? But the second that I am an ambassador, I carry a title. I am an official diplomatic person that is represented by the President of the United States and I have access for all intents purposes in that moment I may as well be the President of the United States he may as well be standing there with me saying Eric talk to them tell them what, tell them what I told you that's how it is we are Christ ambassadors look at the next verse verse 21 God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him, there it is again, in him we might become the righteousness of God. Again, God doesn't just want us to make a correct assumption, correct confession of who he is. He wants us to walk in the confident reassurance of who we are in him. The reason that Christ died is so that we could become like he is. Not that we would take his glory, but that we would participate in his life because he has a plan for us. There's something that he wants us to do. And we're paralyzed in the assumptions that we make. The same as Moses, we make assumptions. I'm too good for that. I'm not good enough. What is it for you? What is the assumption that you have made about yourself that has paralyzed you? What is the assumption about yourself that has kept you from doing what God wants you to do? What is it? Can you picture it? Can you wrestle with it? Can you write it down on a piece of paper? Maybe you think, I'm a failure. And Eric, you don't know the things that I've done. And you don't know the places that I've been. I'm used, I'm washed up, I'm no good. God wouldn't want me. And I'm telling you, according to his word, you couldn't be more wrong. Because he knows the things that you did. He's all-knowing. And he's all-powerful. He died in your place. He does have a purpose for you. He does love you. We don't understand it. I look at this list behind me and I can't, understand fully in my finite brain but I trust his word I want to invite the praise team to come back up and uh, there's this song that, that since last week I have not been able to get out of my head it has consumed me it has been a reminder to me about who God is and who I am in him And I want to read to you some of the lyrics. It's a song called Desert Song, and we actually sang part of it earlier. But the the lyrics go like this. And this is my prayer in the fire. In the trial or pain, there is faith proved of more worth than gold. So refine me, Lord, through the flames. Some of you are going through intense trials and pains. And you're in the midst of it. And you've made assumptions about yourself that you're not good enough. You're not worth it. Why would God want to use me? 
Why would God desire to have a relationship with me? I'm unforgivable. And yet through faith, he refines us. As we shift in our perspective, as we see him for who he is, we realize who we are. The chorus is, and I will bring praise, I will bring praise, no weapon formed against me shall remain. That picture of being an ambassador, it's as if we're going into battle and we have our little tiny pocket knife and we're facing a thousand men and they have guns and machine guns and all this stuff and they're coming at us. That's how it feels sometimes, right? And I'm standing there with my little rinky-dink pocket knife, but God is with us. And in that moment, if we stand there and we pull out our, our sword, here's what happens. God stands behind us. He stands with us. And our enemies see him. They don't see us. They see him. Because he's all-powerful. Because he's all-present. Because he's all of these things the scripture says. And so our enemies run. No weapon formed against me shall remain. I will rejoice. I will declare God is my victory. And he's here. He's here. And then the bridge. All of my life, in every season, good or bad, pride or put downs, in every season, he is God and I have a reason to sing. I have a reason to worship. I think it's apropos that we just do that now. Let's worship.
So here's what I want us to do. I have a challenge for us this week. If we can put the words to the bridge back up on the screen. I want us this week, every time, every day, when you wake up, each morning, you wake up, each day is a gift from God, right? And so I want us to live on purpose. Church, what would it look like if we walked every day in our identity in Him and we realized, I am because He is? What if every day we woke up and we looked ourselves in the mirror and just like Bethany will pinch my cheeks and say, you're a good youth pastor. What if we looked and gave ourselves that same talk and saw ourselves as how God sees us and said, look, you are redeemed. You are righteous. You are set apart to do God's work. You are a mighty warrior. You're not a failure. I am because he is. And what if we just use this as, as our sword to just cut things down? All of my life, in every season, you are still God. And I will stand on that promise. I am not God. You are. I am not powerful God. You are. I will walk in victory because you have allowed me to. I will overcome. I have a reason to sing. I have a reason to worship. And every day we're going to stand before the the mirror before ourselves and we're going to look at ourselves if you need to take a a selfie picture you know on your phone and, and and put it on facebook for people to know i am because he is then do whatever you have to do to remind yourself of that truth that he has spoken over you shift our perspective as we go we're just going to keep singing this See you next week.